Well, we're here again with Take 10 at the end of every one of our regularly scheduled programs. Delighted to have you with us. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Jamie Heisman, nationally known for his work in addictions and caregiving. And Carol Zerniel is here as well, member of the board of the National Council on Aging, a nationally known gerontologist and executive director of the Wellman Charitable Foundation. And the topic that uh, you came up with for this week's Take 10 is one that affects a lot of people, including your own family, long-distance caregiving. Yeah, long-distance caregiving. I, I was in some meetings earlier this week, and someone was describing, you know, their mother's living in another town. She needs help with transportation. There's nobody that's living there. She's trying to arrange things long distance in my own family we've had situations where some of the family members are there other family members swoop in on the weekends and and do some caregiving um and it it's complicated it's hard you know what are the rules of the road jamie for long distance caregivers well definitely carol i think you put your finger on it um about having rules i'm not so sure that the rules for primary care so differ from long distance because I really think we need to learn from, from the primary caregiver. We say to them, take care of yourself, take care of yourself, take care of yourself, find resources, go to eldercare.gov, call the uh, Alzheimer or Parkinson's or Heart Foundation. They know where the best resources are. I don't know why any of those things is any different when you're a thousand miles away. So by primary caregiver, what do you mean? Well, I mean the actual caregiver, if you will, that, that in, in some people's vernacular got stuck for lack of a better uh, word, because they're maybe close to, because they geographically live there, because somehow, you know, they, they just ended up with this caregiving So task. they're the one that's there most of the time. Precisely. And they're often really a lightning rod for the rest of the family, because often in our very detached, fragmented, you know, um, country here, uh, family members live everywhere. And, and that may be for strategic reasons, business reasons, or clinical reasons. I don't know. But, for instance, the primary caregiver does seem to have the, the burden of the day-to-day, day-to-day long of caregiving, whereas the long-distance caregiver thinks, well, I gave it the office. I don't live there. I mean, there are things I can do, but why on earth do I have to take care of myself or learn anything more about the disease? Wrong. But there is often tension and stress between the long-distance caregiver and the primary caregiver if there is one in town. My brother Jim, for example, uh, lives in the town in which we grew up. He's still out there in Cleveland. My mom and dad both needed caregiving. Uh, They're both deceased now, but Jim provided that caregiving. And uh, me sitting in San Antonio as a potential long-distance caregiver, I figured the smart thing for me to say was, Jim, whatever you're doing, it's great. Right. And and you know what? I guess that's kind of the let-go philosophy. But but despite the best intentions uh, that we have in caregiving, I think there's no place that, that, that is more fertile for the guilt card, for becoming guilty, than to a long-distance caregiver who actually they feel overwhelmed or they're feeling the overwhelm of their loved one or their primary caregiver. And second-guessing. Like, yeah, second guessing, and they're so far away. I mean, you have to know if you're a long distance caregiver, there are things you need to know. You have somebody there managing the family care, and, and therefore you really need to talk to the family, have a family conference as to what you can provide, most of all, if you're not there to be available for mom, dad, or spouse, or whoever the, the care is. So if you don't have anybody within your family that's there with the person that needs help, 
then you need who's going to be there. I mean, well, you, you're right, and but there you go. You need to be a the quarterback. Sorry for the metaphor of your team, and the, you, there are strong resources, and you know them well, Carol, because you are the executive director of uh, the Area Agency on Aging. But if you start with eldercare.gov, start literally with the foundation, the disease that your loved one has, and start looking at the resources there, and actually know when to go. I think a great time uh, if your loved one is a senior, of course, and, and that's basically what we've been speaking about, so there's a lot of other caregivers out there. A geriatric care manager or somebody who is close by who can look in, who has a license and understands the dynamics of family and of loved ones is really an ideal person to identify. Well, and the nice thing about a geriatric care manager, as we've said in the past, is they can say and do things that you as a family member can't do. Exactly. It's just like the babysitter or the substitute teacher. Well, they can, and they can also, you know, the messenger always gets killed in caregiving. We all know that when we deliver a message to our sibling or, let's say, the primary caregiver or even to our loved one who we're taking care of, it just doesn't fall like it normally would fall, whereas a professional, especially somebody who's very trained and and objective, if you will, who can deal with the family on an objective level, is a much more ideal person for imparting knowledge. But so as a long-distance caregiver, you need to have strong people and a strong network in place, and you always then need to know when to go. You mean when to go visit? Precisely. I mean, one of the most difficult parts of long-distance caregiving is know when you're needed, know when the, the people there are actually doing the job. There are some wonderful technological things that we've come over, uh, you know, over the years online that people can get engaged actually online and pretty much know up to date what is happening on a hour-by-hour and day-by-day uh, Well, basis. you could put remote cameras into your uh, care recipient's home. You can. I mean, GE and Intel have done a, a wonderful partnership, and they've come up with incredible sort of technological advances where you, you can actually do that and actually see your loved one from a thousand miles away. But then again, who wants to do that either? If your loved one, and last week we talked about this, if your loved one wants a life by themselves with privacy, you need to provide it to them and just actually staff up to what the need is of your loved one, not what you think the need is. Okay, but that's what we're dancing around and what Carol was asking if there is no close family member, no relative uh, in the town in which the uh, uh, care recipient lives, how do you really get someone to provide that care that you can trust and who will be responsible? Well, we can talk about this for definitely a good deal, certainly more than 10 minutes, because uh, an intervention is, is going to be vitally necessary if you've, you've actually tried all those resources and still intuitively as a family member or as a whole family still feel uncomfortable that your long-distance caregiving is not enough. I mean, at some point in time, it may well be that the family gets together and say, who does Aunt, you know, Mabel need to be near or who needs to be you know, Aunt Mabel? How can we do this? Or, or does is, she need to go into to assisted living. Well, that's another issue, though. It's actually a clinical issue, not necessarily one of convenience. I mean, let's face it. If, if Aunt Mabel is pretty darn okay and she's independent and she want, you want to age in place, you know, does an assisted living facility make sense then? Well, so what do we tell the, the long-distance caregiver who can't get their, they've got one foot in each place. Their, their mind is always worried, 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 worried about what's going on in that other town. 
Well, I think they can only do their best. And again, that's not perfection, which is, uh, you know, again, you can set up a schedule of weekly phone chats, if you will. Make sure you have a geriatric care manager in place. Make sure you're touching base with all the available resources that hopefully you've gotten for your mom, dad, or spouse there. That's critically important. And you're going to have to make a decision to go there. And if you're going to set your loved one in place and they actually cognitively can do it and they can manage their own, you know, mobility, then you're really going to have to go there and set the network in and make sure that the insurance and financial needs and everything has been laid out. If then, you know, you all get together as a family and find out that you may have to take over the financial resources, you know, you may have to do that. You can still do that from a distance. But bear in mind again, bear in mind that this is all clinically determined, that your loved one really, if they can't handle being alone and they can't handle having a long-distance caregiver, then now a family decision needs to be made. You're listening to Take 10. We come to you every week after a regularly scheduled program. Dr. Jamie Heisman and Carol Zerniel discussing a topic of great interest, talking today about long-distance caregiving. I'm Ron Aaron. Carol, you were going to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, it, it's an important point uh, of actually setting a schedule, you know, really keeping tabs on the situation, but, but knowing when the situation has changed, when it's time to move on to the next step, um, and, and you do want to do as much advanced planning when you first get into a caregiving situation, laying out what's going to happen when things get worse, because things usually do get worse if you're caring for an older person in particular. Um, that day's going to come uh, so that you have a plan and you're not doing it in that frantic, crazy moment when somebody goes in and out of a hospital. Jamie, about a minute left. You get the last word. Well, I think the most important thing we can do when we're a long-distance caregiver and we're doing this type of planning and we want to stay one step ahead of the situation, and we know Murphy's Law, if it can go wrong, it probably will, make sure you're always keeping your loved one front and center and involved. Make sure that they are a part of every decision that you're making in terms of developing this network, in terms of developing their life and their connected life and supported life, and make sure that they themselves are front and center making those decisions, even if the decision is that you probably can't live there by yourself any longer, and then get the family together with them. But do not disregard them. They are the player when you're a long-distance caregiver. That's a good point. Thank you, Dr. Jamie. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. I'm Ron Aaron. Take 10 comes to you at the end of our regularly scheduled programs on the radio station that you are currently listening to. We'll talk with you again soon. Jamie, you know the correlation.